My name is Eric Wilson, and you are listening to the Porch Fiddler Radio Show. Welcome to the porch, where we will hear some old-time fiddle tunes that will get your toes a-tappin', make your heart sing, and fill your mind with memories of the good old days. In this episode, I will be discussing the difference between a reel and a jig, as well as showcasing tunes from each group. Our show today is a production of PorchFiddler.com, where you can hear all of our podcasts, read over show notes, find links to musicians and tunes, and catch some interesting porch fiddling videos on my YouTube channel. I would love to hear from you, so reach out and email me at porchfiddler at gmail.com. Let's get this show started with a jig. The Wrigley Sisters will be playing a tune entitled Home Band Tune. The Wrigley sisters combine mastery with mischief and tradition with modernity. They are Jennifer and Hazel Wrigley, an internationally acclaimed fiddle and guitar duo from the or- Orkney Islands, which is an archipelago off the northeastern coast of Scotland. The next two songs are reels. See if you can hear the difference between a reel and a jig. Later, I will talk about the difference between the two. Here is Eddie's Reel. (laughs) 
Next up on the Porch Fiddler podcast is Frenchie's Reel, as performed by Ward Allen and Mel Lovig. Frenchie's reel is also known as Lightning Hornpipe, Old Frenchie, and Rambler's Hornpipe. Legend has it that Mel Lavigne actually composed the tune, but both musicians are later credited with the song. Because they are from Canada, there is speculation that the song title refers to the derogatory term of an American calling a French-Canadian a Frenchie. But some folks say the song is named after someone with the surname of French. You are listening to the Porch Fiddler Radio Show. We have another song coming up shortly. However, I want to tell you that you can find out more about our show at porchfiddler.com. There you can read the show notes, find links to music, and many more sources of of old-time fiddle tunes. Plus, if you are enjoying the Porch Fiddler Show, then please support us financially. You can donate a dollar or two each month. Your contribution helps us to pay the bills. 
Just go to porchfiddler.com and click on the donate button for a safe and secure and easy way to send a buck or two our way each month. Here's a tune called Swelky, another jig performed right here on the Porch Fiddler radio show by the Wrigley Sisters. There's an Old Norse legend in which an undersea salt mill is said to be the reason why the sea is salt. One version of this tale attaches its legend to the Swelki, a fearsome tidal whirlpool in the Pentland Firth. Swelki is also the name of a geological outcropping located near the Orkney Islands of Scotland. The Porch Fiddler podcast can be heard on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. This week, we welcome our new listeners. We have listeners primarily in the United States, but also from France, Korea, Canada, Sweden, Ireland, Singapore, and Australia. I'm so glad that you choose to listen to The Porch Fiddler. If you have something to say to Porch Fiddler, you can email me at porchfiddler at gmail.com or go to our podcast homepage and send us a voice message. You can tell me what you think of the show, suggest songs or artists that we can highlight on upcoming Porch Fiddler shows, or just reach out and say, Hey, I look forward to hearing from you. What is the difference between a reel and a jig? For non-musicians, to tell whether a tune you're listening to is a reel or a jig, let your foot tap along with the music at a natural pace. Then see how many fast notes you can count between each tap. 
If you can count to three, it's a jig. If you can count to four, it's a reel. It's just that simple. Here's Kevin Burke playing Stray Away Child. Tap your toe and see if it's a reel or a jig. Every person has a story, 
And it's time for our weekly story time on the Porch Fiddler Radio Show. Today's story is actually the autobiographical sketches of Kevin Burke. He performed Stray Away Child just a moment ago on this show. Let's listen now as Kevin tells his story of music throughout his life. I started playing the fiddle when I was seven or eight years of age. My parents decided to send me to a music teacher for formal lessons rather than wait to see if I had either the skill or desire to pick it up on my own. This strategy seemed to work pretty well because by the time I felt that I really wanted to play, when I was 12 or 13, I had already developed some very helpful basic skills which I could use. My music teacher was Jesse Christofferson, no relation relation to Chris. Jesse lived within walking distance of our house in southeast London. To my eight-year-old mind, she seemed very old. She was probably in her early 60s, very posh and very intimidating. And her house was like that, too, old, posh, and intimidating. It was much bigger than ours and very dark. Going there for lessons was a bit like visiting Miss Havisham in Great Expectations. But she turned out to be a great teacher. Her manner was pretty strict and harsh. I can still remember her shrieking instructions at me, up bow, sharper, and so on but I soon learned that she was a kindly old woman behind it all, and more importantly, that she was very broad-minded about music. Up to then, I was of the impression that classical people didn't approve of any other kind of music, so I was very impressed to discover that she enjoyed all kinds of things, even some of the new groups of the time, such as The Who and The Rolling Stones. Jesse Christofferson was giving me violin lessons, and at the same time I was learning about the fiddle at home from my parents' record collection and from family friends. Most of the musicians I was hearing at home played by ear, and Jesse was teaching me to read so. So to combine the two skills, we thought it would be a good idea to bring Jesse a few Irish tune books and let her take me through them. She was quite happy to do so, and before long I had learned several fiddle tunes at my violin lessons. But there was a problem. They sounded strange, and not just because I was a beginner. So we brought Jessie up to the house and played her some recordings of Irish music and asked her why they sounded so different from what I was playing. She explained that what was written in the books was very different from what we were hearing. This was a revelation. I realized that don't believe everything you read does not only apply to newspapers. So how do you make written notes spring to life and become sounds that could justifiably be called music? This became the quest. I discovered that Irish players had many ways of ornamenting the notes of a tune and that these were often left out of the books. 
In Jesse's lessons, I learned that I should play just what is written down, no more, no less. From the Irish players, I learned to treat the printed page simply as a guide and to add grace notes and triplets more or less when I felt like it. They also had a list of terms that I hadn't heard in my violin classes, shakes, rolls, crans, to name a few, and there were other odd words I heard them use quite a bit, strange words like the nya and corn fibbers. And the nya apparently was very important. Nobody seemed to be clear on what it was, but all the good players had it, and you were no good without it. This was very tricky. Where would I get the nya? Where would I find it? Well, some of the older musicians advised me and encouraged me that when playing, I should lean on it and give it stick. I was told to twist it and turn it and kick it down the hall, said someone else. All this was a long way from the language Jesse used when talking about music, but it was helping. I knew I was gradually playing better when one day I heard some old lads say, He has the nya. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know I had it. I didn't know where I had found it. But I believed him. One of the things which Jesse said that stuck in my mind was about Michael Coleman. We had played her several recordings of great players to listen to, but she singled out him out and told me he finds the soul of his mu instrument. Nobody had ever told me before that musical instruments even had souls. That was an exciting bit of news, another revelation. I started paying attention to some of the music that was being talked about by my schoolmates and became very interested in blues, ska, R&B, and then I heard about Bob Dylan. There was a great deal made of his songwriting, but I was mostly impressed by his delivery. He told the stories as much as he sang them. I thought of them more as dramatic narratives, much like many of the traditional songs I had heard. I thought it was very interesting that Dylan was drawing on several traditions for inspiration, Irish, English, Scottish songs, as well as American country and blues songs. Another of Bob Dylan's major influences was, of course, Woody Guthrie, and I started to pay a bit more attention to Woody's music than I had in the past. I began to see that songs could be very powerful as social commentary and history, and wondered if instrumental music had a similar power. Obviously, a tune is a bit more abstract than a so story with words, but I was pretty sure that music was very powerful stuff. Around the time that I was pondering all this, I heard Jimi Hendrix playing, and he confirmed my suspicions about the power of music. I didn't really think too much about the words of his songs. The sound of his guitar playing is what enthralled me. I immediately thought back to my music teacher, Jessie Christofferson, and what she said about Michael Coleman. He finds the soul of his instrument. In spite of all this great music 
coming over from the U.S., I never felt driven to visit America. I thought it was too big, too many cars, too hot, too cold, too crake. Then one day I walked into a pub in Milltown, Mall Bay, in County Clare and heard some great music being played by a few American visitors. I drew closer and they spotted the fiddle case and asked me to play a tune. So I did. We got talking and it turned out that one of these guys was Arlo Guthrie, Woody's son. Arlo and his friends, John Pila, Gil Gilbo, Jeffy Outlaw, and a few others had been in England performing and had decided to come to Ireland for a few days looking for music and ended up in Milltown. The weather was great, i.e. not raining, so we all went out to the neighboring village of Quilty and sat on the clifftops most of the day enjoying the sunshine the sea air, and each other's music. That story is from the autobiographical sketches of Kevin Burke. Our final selection is Willow Creek. This tune is an American reel composed by fiddler Ralph Whited from Oneonta, Blount County, North Central Alabama. Whited was a bachelor farmer who lived all his life in the house he was born in, below Sand Mountain, at the foot of the Appalachian foothills, a farm inherited from his grandfather, who had been a prosperous farmer. Whited was also an avid fisherman and netted a 48-pound catfish on Willow Creek, a favorite fishing hole for which he named his reel.
That's our show for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. You can find the show notes of this podcast at www.portfiddler.com. Please visit our website to support Port Fiddler and click on the Donate button to send a dollar or two our way each month. I want to thank John Lamancusa for his wonderful collection of old fiddle tunes and musical notations. You can find the link to John's website in the show notes at porchfiddler.com. The intro and ending music on this podcast show is courtesy of my friend Jazar. His website is betterwithmusic.com. Thank you, Jazar. In next week's Porch Fiddler radio show, we will highlight more old-time fiddle tunes and hear a story about getting a new wood stove. This is Eric Wilson signing off for now. Stay in touch during the week by shooting me an email at porchfiddler at gmail.com or visit porchfiddler.com. Thanks, and have a good week. Until next time, keep on porch fiddling. <laughs>